following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. Whoa! It's kind of like, okay, wait a minute, the first reading said, let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Spirit by believing or by doing? And we're like, believing. And the second reading is like, so you better get to work. You're like, Mark, which is it? Oh, I'm glad you asked. That's what we're going to study today. Who is the light? Let's pray and ask the Father to be with us and pour out His Spirit upon us. Father, we ask you right now in this time and this place to fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we would have open hearts and minds that are set to learn that we would be focused on what you are saying to us and that we would receive the knowledge and the growth and the power that you are here to give us. And Lord, we pray boldly that you would cast out the forces of darkness which are here to distract us and frustrate us and you would take them and drag them to the bottom of the hill and give them a swift kick. And Lord, set us free so that we might navigate in this clean space, this heaven on earth as you have made it into. By your word and through your spirit, we pray for the grace and the mercy and the peace of our Lord Jesus. Amen. So, I have to tell you that um, this morning, our brother Ben Shade, who Jeff is sitting in his chair this morning, so if you ever saw Ben sitting back there right where Jeff is, um, um, you need to know that Ben is with Jesus right now. That's kind of tough. Part of us is saying, hey, he's with Jesus right now. Yeah, that's a good thing. And part of us are saying, yeah, but death is bad. That's the last enemy to be defeated. And um, that hurts. Because anytime we face that reality, it's just like, it's that we live in the tension of the now and the not yet, right? That's where we're at. And so the reason I bring this up, the reason I tell you this, is because it's the irony that this would happen on this day and that this is God's word for us today is extreme. And I have to tell you a little bit about Ben's story. Now he told me not to announce any of this to the church um, because Ben is a very humble man and um, it's not his humility that got him to be with Jesus. It is the grace of Jesus that got him there. But he still was very humble, and, it, and his humility it was, was a beautiful gift to me. So he told me not to tell you, but now that he's with Jesus, I asked the Lord, hey, can we override Ben's request? And, you know, I think he's okay with it. Um, I'm taking a risk there, but I'm convinced Jesus is fine. Um, the reason is, is Ben didn't want everybody coming over and worrying about him. About, oh, I don't know, two or three months ago, I went over to Ben and Sarah's, and I and I said, Ben, I'd really like to pray for God's healing. I'd really like to um, ask him to heal you. And I said, and I'm, I'm getting serious. I'm pulling out James chapter 5, verses 13 and following. And, you know, let's just follow God's word and let's, let's do this thing. Because I have no doubt in my mind that if it's his will, he could heal you. Because Ben had cancer, right? And a very nasty kind, right? And, and Ben just kind of smiled, and he said, well, he goes, I respectfully disagree. I was like, well, okay then. 
And he goes, I hear you. You know, I know what you're talking about. And, I, and you know, I was reading to him John chapter uh, 9, where, um, all the, you know, where Jesus healed the blind man, right? And, and, and the, the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned? Was it, was it the blind man or his parents that sinned? Because their assumption was if you got sick, it was because you were a bad person. I mean, that's just the culture, right? The Pharisees had taught that if you were a bad person, then that meant you would get sick and die. Judgment would fall upon you. And then Jesus tells the disciples, no, neither one. This was done so that God's glory, his work may be revealed and on display in this man's life. And so I told Ben, I said, see, that's what I'm talking about. This would, be, this would show, the, show God's glory and power on display in your life. And he's like, well, if God wants to do that, he can do that on his own. We don't need to make a big fuss about it. I'm like, okay. He goes, Mark, he goes, I already have healing. And he, he shared with me that it was because through the story of his family, he had been detached from God for many years. And I think more than 40 as he described it. And one day his son came to church. Todd came here and and then, because they're a close family, then they brought Ben and Sarah, and he said that he heard that Jesus loved him no matter what. That's what he heard in this room. He heard that Jesus loved him no matter what, and he said, I believed it, and I was healed. You see how this works. And so, when we talk about who is the light, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about today. You need to hear how this works. Take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Now, this is this passage we studied last week, and, we, and you gotta, we always have to warn our visitors who haven't been here before, when you see MLV, you got to be careful because that means Mark's literal version. And so, and so what we're dealing with here is this is, this is what I think it says in, the, in, you know, in a raw translation. And the reason that we translate this passage this way is because in the Beatitudes, it's always blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the, and it kind of starts to feel like an if-then statement, like if you're a good person, then you're blessed, when that's the exact opposite of what Jesus is saying. Because what does the very first Beatitude say? It says the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit are those who have nothing to offer. In other words, if you come here with you think you're pretty good, then this ain't for you. If you come here and you're a messed up mess, well, that's, that's, that's what we're here for. The poor in spirit are blessed. And the word blessed there is almost on the level of saying you are saved. Like if you come to me, Jesus is saying, and you don't have anything to offer, I'll take care of that. That's good. I can work with that, right? That's what he's saying. Because why? Is it because you're a good person? No, it's because the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Belongs to you. This is this language throughout the Bible. You know, everybody, you know, I grew up in in kind of what I always call Bapticostal territory, right? You know, that's what, and, and what I mean by that is all my friends were Baptists and Pentecostals, and I love them, and they love me. In fact, one of my dear friends is a Baptist pastor, and we talk all the time, and he always says, you know, you, you, know, you, you Lutherans need to learn a few things, and he's right. But one of, the things that, one of the things that always happened was is people would always say, when were you saved? And growing, when you grow up in the Lutheran church, you just don't talk it like that, and that's, you know, it's just cultural differences, right? 
And I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, I just always remembered Jesus in my life because you know, I was baptized as a baby. And then the Baptists are like, oh, no. And so then, you know, we just get, we have all, you know, we have this little, you know, and if you grew up in a different faith tradition, you get this, you know, except you might have been on the other side. You're like, oh, you guys, well. But don't worry, I'm a recovering Lutheran, which just means we're not focused on denominational differences. We're focused on Jesus, which is, guess what? That's what the original Uncle Marty was all about. He said, don't call yourselves Lutherans. Luther didn't save you. He's a bag of maggots. Christ saved you. Call yourselves Christians. That's what Uncle Marty said. And so this is what we mean. We come to the Father. We come to Jesus. We come to the Spirit poor. We got nothing, right? And, and that's so important because the way the Bible does talk is not about how were you saved, when were you saved, what was all. It just says you're heirs to the kingdom. The Bible over and over uses the word inheritance. We saw it in Galatians 3 today. Your inheritance, you are heirs to the promise that was given to Abraham. Even if you're not a Jew. And which was fighting words in his day. In our day, I mean, people are like, I don't know. But in, in his day, that was huge. And Jesus leads off by teaching us that, yeah, if you have nothing to offer, that's, that's where this is at. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Who do you think you are? Right? This is the question. Who do you think you are? Answer, you are the light of the world. We had, we had who is the light on the screen, and it didn't have a question mark on it. You might have thought, oh, Mark forgot the question mark. No, because it's both a question and a statement. Who do you think you are? You know, we always use that language when somebody's like, you know, trying to challenge someone's authority or to challenge their position. But I actually think there's a flip side to this. And I think a lot of times when you and I think about ourselves, we don't think this. We underestimate God's power in our bodies. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, he, this is when he invented the, the Christian band Jars of Clay. I don't know if you guys knew that. And so, that's a joke. If you didn't get it, that's okay. Um, he, invented, he said we have this all-surpassing power in jars of clay or earthen vessels depending on which translation you grew up with in other words we're these as my old pastor would call it crack pots right we're, we're messed up people but we have inside of us in our bodies all surpassing power i mean guys i know i'm starting to sound like a pentecostal i told you i'm a recovering lutheran it happens right it's because the bible talks that way and so what you think, when, we, when you think of yourself, I want you to start thinking of yourself the way Jesus thinks about you. Go figure. The way Jesus thinks about you. You know the Son of Man, the Lord God Most High, Yahweh Elohim, the name above all names, the name at which every name should bow, excuse me, every knee should bow, that's the name that thinks of you as the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Look at verse 16. Zoom in on a couple words. In the same way, he says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In 1996, I went to the seminary because I was like, I don't know what to do with my life, and so maybe that's the one thing I should do. And um, there was this guy there who everyone made fun of by the time I actually got there in 2010. But he was, he was this one of the teachers there, and he, he was very dramatic. He was, all, he was melodramatic, actually. And so, um, and I get all that, and everybody made fun of him. But he said this thing. He said, 
when you come here, you're going to learn how to make a difference in the things that matter most. I want you to think about that. Because he's really just rephrasing this statement. You learn, get to learn how to make a difference in the things that matter most. And, and, and that, that impacted me. And here's what I want you to hear. Is that's not for pastors. That's for every follower of Jesus. Pastors are only doing one part of a very multifaceted thing. I could, I could take you right now. Remember I told you I wanted my sermon to be three hours. Don't worry, it won't be. But I could take you to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where we talk about the hands and the feet and the ears and the nose and the chin and every other body part, right? And about how the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you and all those kinds of things. Every part of the body is equally important in the kingdom of God. And every single day, when you and I follow Jesus, we are ordinary people called to an extraordinary life. I mean, Uncle Ben had it right when he was talking to Peter Parker, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Everybody's like, Mark, isn't that Stan Lee? Yeah, Stan Lee had it, but Jesus had it first, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And I have to tell you that when I was a kid, I was listening a whole lot more to Stan Lee than I was to my local pastor. And I wish that weren't true, but it was true. And yet, God was working through every human being that I encounter to teach this truth to me. And I hope he is teaching this truth to you. Because guys, whenever you are doing your vocations, let me explain that word, your vocations. Your vocations include, I know there are moms in here, there are dads, there's brothers, there's cousins, there's uncles, there are, um, there are locksmiths, there are financial planners, there are healthcare workers, there are um, musicians, there are, and I could just keep going, right? There are artists, there are people who work on computers and tap little keys all day and they hate it. There's everything in between, right? And so whatever your vocations are, and there's, you have many, you have many vocations. These are the things that you are called to do in life. I am called to take out the trash in my house. And if it doesn't happen, people get grouchy. This is what happens, right? And that's a silly little example, but I sh- it shows you that it's one of many vocations each one of us have. And they're all kinds. There's the good, the glamorous ones, and there's the dirty ones, right? But all through that process, no matter what your vocations are, this is God's plan in your vocations. This is his calling to you and to me in your vocations. Whether you're standing up here and yapping far too long as it is, or whether you're sitting there listening and then you're going to apply this, all of us have them. And you're called to shine your light. Let your little light shine. So here's how that works. Sometimes your vocation is a customer. And you're in the restaurant. And they have bad service. And you're thinking, man, I'm getting on Yelp and I'm roasting these people. But that's not going to make anyone praise your Father in heaven. It's just going to add to the junk and the darkness and the murk that we live in. What if instead you went to the manager and said, hey, we're having a rough night, but I would like to let you know that we care about you guys. Is there anything we can do? Is there anything we can help with? We care about your business. We want it to succeed. Do you know what people would do? They would just look at you like you're a freak. They would be right. You are a follower of Jesus. A Jesus freak, right? I mean, see, that's what it would be. But I mean, and I'm, you know, you guys may play that. You're like, Mark, we don't do weird things like you do. And that's fine. But the idea is, is what would happen if God's spirit actually started moving some people, even, even Lutherans, right? 
right? And got, got them up and into action, right? Because this is what it is. We are saved by this waterfall of grace that just drenches us, it covers us, it bathes us in God's love. And there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Romans chapter 8, 38, 39. However, Romans chapter 9, 10, 11, 12, and on continue to tell the story. Therefore, especially chapter 12, in view of God's mercy, let us participate in the restoration of all things. I'm summarizing chapter 12. Participate in the restoration of all things. You and I are actually (laughs) the light of the world. Of course, Jesus is the light, capital L, and you and I are the light, lowercase l, but it's all true. And we are called to join him in his mission. What's his mission? He said in Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, all of us are going to do that in different ways. You might see someone having a really bad day, and you're like, dude, I don't have any knowledge or comfort level in talking to that person. But you know what you can do? You can pray. Now, prayer is coming, on, coming under a lot of fire these days, and every time there's a big tragic event, everyone says thoughts and prayers. You know. And I get all that. I understand that because they're saying we want action. But I want you to hear the lie of the devil clearly here. If the devil can say, you know what we need to do is we need to convince the heirs to the kingdom of God to not talk to the king anymore. Do you think, do you think maybe he's on to something? Instead, what we need to hear is that prayer is the most powerful action you can take. And I know, I know you're like, Mark, you're not sounding very you know, like conservative or whatever. I don't care. I want you to hear God's word because God's word said, what did Jesus say to the disciples when they're in the garden of Gethsemane? And like all of heaven and earth is it in having this major moment of conflict and war and the devil himself is causing the son of God to, bl- to sweat blood? Jesus said, pray. And that doesn't make any sense to us. We want to be like Peter and pull out the sword and start chopping ears off. That's what we want to do. We feel like we need to do Now pray. Trust me and pray. And so what I want you guys to do is when you're feeling like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I'm supposed to shine my light, I don't know what to do, pray. And you know what? This crazy thing will happen, I know it's just going to baffle you, but the Lord God Almighty will be like, okay, let's do it. You talk to me, let's get, let's get busy. You pray for your coworkers or the people that are complete strangers in front of you. You pray for your family members. You pray, pray for the people who just made you feel terrible. You and your wife just had a big fight. Go pray about that. I mean, it'll blow your mind. And trust in Jesus. And this is one of those things that I need you to, I need you to hear this in light of my story about Ben this morning. Because if you ask me, is this a good thing that Ben is with Jesus? I mean, in the great heavenly realms and in in God's will, Yes. But right now, from our point of view and our experience of that, no, it's terrible. It is a reminder of the death and the brokenness of this world, the law of sin and death. But Romans chapter 8, verse 2, the, <laughs> Jesus Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death and put us by the power of the Spirit and the law of the Spirit of life. And what you need to know is that when you shine your light, That is the law of the spirit of life flowing out. We are saved by a waterfall of grace and it becomes a river 
that flows out. My Uncle Marty said it this way. He said that there's this thing called passive righteousness that we stand under in God's grace, right? And we don't do anything. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we stand here. And we just receive because we have nothing to offer. But then Jesus doesn't stop there. We're one paragraph later. And, and, and as he would have been teaching it, like 10 seconds later, and he says, now go do this. Take your poor in spiritness that I take, that I take care of and then go and do good for your neighbor. So Uncle Marty called that his, your active righteousness. This is where you take what God has given you and you share it. Take what God has given you and you share it. Not to earn points with God. Heavens to Betsy, pun intended. The Lord has already done all those things. We love our neighbor not to get good with God, but because our neighbor needs our love. Take a look at Matthew 5, verse 17. How do we know what to do? What do, how, do we, how do we apply this? Where do we go with this? Jesus said, Do not think I came to throw out the Old Testament. This is my translation, just so we understand his language. Do not think I came to throw out the Old Testament. I came to throw it out. I came to fulfill it. We will sometimes read those Old Testament passages, Leviticus, for example, and be like, you know, I don't even know what to do with this. Know that it's about Jesus. Know that it's about Jesus. Well, what about that one story, know that it's about Jesus? You could, t- you could talk about the story where you have, you have God taking his people out of slavery. Yeah, interesting how that works. You have stories about where a snake is lifted up and when everyone looked at it, they were saved. Oh, interesting how that works. You have all these stories about these lambs that were being taken and sacrificed for the sins of the people. Oh, yeah, it's funny how that works. He fulfilled every single command and he, filled, he fulfilled, he brought to bear every single promise for you and for me. And so when we, don't, when we want to know what is good, how do we know this? This is why we learn the Ten Commandments. Not because we need to keep them for God. We don't need to keep them for God. We are poor in spirit. He already knows we can't keep any of them. But you know what? Not committing adultery, not stealing, not murdering. Those are a pretty good way to love our neighbor. Always, my favorite part was, what we call the Eighth Commandment. It's the don't bear false witness against your neighbor, right? And I love my Uncle Marty's description of that because what he would say is he would say, actually what you should do is you should always put your neighbor in the best possible light, which is to say, come to their defense when they're in trouble, just like the Good Samaritan did for the man who was in trouble on the road. And all of those things that come with that. So when we say what is good, we read all of the counsel of God from Old Testament and New Testament, and we let all of that flow in knowing we are washed clean and set free to share our love with people. I got the opportunity to share the good news with Ben, but it wasn't just me. So many people in this room befriended them, welcomed them into this family, and showed the light of God to them. It was not just someone up here yapping. It was an entire community, the body of Christ, who gave that love and that mercy and that grace, who embodied it to a man who had been distant from God and wanted nothing to do with him, and instead received his grace so that on this morning, what Jesus said to him is, Welcome home, my good and faithful servant. In the mighty name of Jesus, let us pray. Father, we ask you right now to hear our prayers and the desire that you would indeed 
wash us clean and set us free. And that we would see that our whole rhythm of life, our whole participation in the gospel, is so that we would come and we would receive and then know that we are sent. We would come and then we would receive and then be sent. And that throughout this whole process, through our many vocations, in our own way, our own identity, we would see that we indeed are the light of the world. All because of the light of the world who lives inside of us, your Son, our Lord Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.